नमस्ते एक्चुअली वेन अ डियर फ्रेंड जेम्स आस्ट मी टू टेक दिस वर्कशॉप टू बिगिन विथ माई हार्ट लिप्ड इट लिप्ड विथ जॉय बिकॉज देर इज नथिंग ग्रेटर नथिंग गिव्स अ ग्रेटर हैप्पीनेस देन टू टॉक अबाउट द मदर टू शेयर अबाउट द मदर टू शेयर हर जॉय हर लव हर ग्रेस of which all of us are recipients without an exception her grace is not only boundless it's there with all in fact without her grace creation won't move a step forward but then soon thereafter i realized the the ocean i was in so that's why perhaps james kept reminding me uh, give me the topics and i kept hesitating <laughs> because my situation is uh, or any of us our situation when we speak about the mother is like that of the fish who is asked to talk about the ocean what can it talk about the ocean it can only say that i am in the ocean and the ocean is in me <laughs> ocean is all around me i don't exist without the ocean my life is because of the ocean what else can it speak about the ocean and yet there is a reason why we should uh, speak about the mother's life at least there are two two important reasons from the point of view of the yoga one is by um, speaking about her life of course with all the spirit of adoration that is required when we are before the subject of subjects the one subject who is in all subjects it's uh, it's it opens for us a door to come in contact with something of her being something of her consciousness something of her delight to that extent it helps and secondly it is said and rightly so that the brahman the absolute the supreme is unknowable so the question is how do we know if he is unknowable so we can know him or it or she by the manifestations so through the manifestation we can get a glimpse because that's how we can in terms of name and form and tangible understanding we can feel we can know a little bit of that glory that radiance that splendor and third which is of immediate concern to us it is the example that she holds for us so it's god's own example that's what shubhendra says in essays on the gita where shri krishna says my own example a very beautiful verse where he after speaking several things showing several sights he says see i have uh, nothing to achieve nothing to gain and yet i am always engaged in action because if i were not engaged in action then this uh, civilization this creation would begin to collapse and if we look at mother's life this applies so much more true she is not a mendicant or a monk sitting in some hill top and totally absorbed within she has all those experiences and realizations but what com- comes across as a life is that this is the divine living divine who is playing divine who is engaged in every possible activities and without ceasing even for a moment the divine this is a very beautiful example the example the earth needs the example that we all need to follow and hence when we walk into the trail of some of the footsteps left by her we can grow at least little bit in her consciousness and that is the whole idea and most importantly at some point we fall in love because as our shastra say though there is no method of bhakti yet shravana manana darshana nididhyasana these are the four standard ways by which bhakti can be cultivated bhakti that straight door to the divine so shravan is to hear that's why we have the stories of the bhagavatam you hear about the divine you read about the divine shravana manan you think about the divine darshana there is a picture there is her photograph there is a presence 
the various kinds of darshan itself one can see her with the inner eyes the subtle eyes with the eyes of the mind to which she is always accessible and nididhyasan to meditate upon her to think about her to love her well this is the gist of the entire yoga it is also important in especially in today's times because often i see all kinds of things happening in the name of teaching integral yoga there are practices this meditation that meditation sometimes i i am astounded when i hear terms like people giving a course on cellular yoga how to you know we must understand that this is not how this yoga is done shubindo very clearly has given the mool mantra of this yoga and that is the mother the only thing that works in this yoga is to open to the mother and if a practice whether meditation imagination uh, or any other practice helps us to come in contact with the mother it's wonderful and if it doesn't help us to come in contact with the mother then it's not going to work except giving us of course some feeling that we are doing something so this is uh, why the mother is not only the most important she is the key to this yoga so when we dwell upon her life ashwabindu said that none can talk about my life because it has not been on the surface for men to see now with the mother this is many more times true you can't uh, cut her life into yogic life pre yogic life if you see her life right from the beginning everything is together as if she is carrying the whole world on a great journey of yoga along with her and we can get some of the glimpses for example we often speak about the mother's date of birth as 21st february 1878 but what does the mother say about herself she says uh, well my child i am the ancient of the ancients another place she says i have never left the earth since its inception whenever and wherever there was the possibility of manifesting a ray of the true consciousness i was here so her life is a one unbroken continuity at another place she speaks about when she is speaking about savitri she says that savitri who was a um, what we call in our language as an anshavatar a partial manifestation of the divine mother but she says with this full manifestation of the divine mother pointing out to herself things have become very different and how they become different we'll speak about it over the next few days suffice is to say that our tongue is incompetent our mind is absolutely inadequate our language is limited everything it, it can only you know the situation is like when arjun sees shri krishna and says i see you here there everywhere and i can only worship you but there is nothing i i am filled with amazement and wonder and shurbindo summarized it in one single sentence one of the standard best biographies of the mother is the one which shurbindo has written and shurbindo has written it in this small book the mother which is part of um, collected works of shurbindo volume 32 and those six chapters and then subsequently mainly the sixth chapter and then people ask many questions about the mother her working how to how do we connect with her relate with her her role her work so there is no end to that so that is the most standard biography and what does shubindo write the one whom we adore as the mother he is not referring to any vague one he is referring to the embodied incarnate divine mother this question was asked of him are you not referring to our mother who has taken a physical body and he says yes the one whom we adore as the divine mother is the conscious force of the supreme and he says that it is impossible for the freest and vastest and quickest intelligence to understand her but we can open ourselves to her that's what is given to us so the whole object is to open to her
by hearing about her, reading about her, meditating up, up on her, upon her. So her journey of life starts way, way back. So many critical moments of history. She has been there. Some of them she has narrated. Many she has not narrated. For example, she confirms that she was Savitri. Savitri was one of the partial incarnations of uh, manifestations of the Divine Mother. At another place she speaks of herself as a Himalayan princess. I have a strange feeling sometime that maybe this is just a feeling that is it Himalayan princess always reminds me of Parvati. <laughs> so, but nevertheless she is a Himalayan princess who has been buried deep in the snow. And she says I can see her, she is still there. At another place when Champaklalji once says mother, uh, mother tells Champaklal that you have been my child in one of your lives. And Champaklalji says, Mother, but I have heard that I was the son of a Rishi. And the mother says, How do you know that I was not that Rishi? And then when we look back at the immediate theatre before the shift of the cycle, which has happened since last hundred years, more so last seventy years. And if I may add with a touch of... Uh, uh, a charming touch that especially in the last eight years there is a very very clear shift of uh, the world order and the power equations. So if we see that way it's very interesting that the last few centuries there was a curtain on India and there was a light which was there the lamp of the mind was burning bright in Europe but particularly in France. So there are some countries which are chosen to hold the light one way or the other. So we see in ancient time in Greece and Egypt and the mother was there in Egypt especially as Queen Hatsheput and um, she is the one who had made the sun temple there dedicated to God Ra and in that temple if you read the charter it is so much like Auroville and when someone asked the mother, Mother, why, why did you write it like this then? She said, because we had to keep the memory of the future in the race. Can we imagine what it means to keep the memory of the future? She has always been from the future. And she is here to bring the future. And she knows this is the future. So way back in the families of the pharaohs, she is there. To preserve this truth, one day earth has to realize it. No wonder, from her physical mother's side, she came from the family of the pharaohs from in Egypt. And very interestingly, the name of her grandmother, Nani, her mother's mother, was Mira Ismalun. M-I-R-A. Mother's own name is M-I-R-R-A. And she was very fond of uh, Mira Ismalun and her nani was also very fond of uh, our mother. And in those days, she was such an emancipated woman. Just imagine, mother's grandmother, who would travel all the way from Egypt to France, to Europe. And she would be selling certain products, certain kinds of perfumes that she has manufactured. It's amazing if you look at it. And no wonder the close relation, even there is a little... One of the gowns that her grandmother used to wear, mother used to be very fond of it and she would wear that gown and uh, even uh, on a frock she had put some laces of that. So there was a very close relation. So she comes from that. In Egypt she was there. She was also mother of Moses. So there are different ways she has incarnated in Egypt. Because Egypt was one of the hubs where a kind of... Um, evolutionary impetus was working itself out during the entire reign of the pharaohs and when we look at their uh, history we can see that very clearly just like we had the solar dynasty so they also had a similar uh, idea of a solar dynasty where kings were upholders of the uh, law of truth until it degenerated yes that happened and then it was broken aside and Moses was the catalyst but that's a different story then again she is there in Greece. Greece is another place where uh, um, at one point of time it was a hub of um, creative evolutionary activity. 
and we can't imagine what uh, what was the force working behind some of the key fact key personas in greece one of them was of course we know helen of troy the most beautiful face for which a thousand ships were launched and her purpose her role was to bring down the entire you know <laughs> empire of empire means the kingdom of troy why when we look at the cause is so strange because it had developed absolutely ignoring all the other tribes it was a very very developed uh, place very developed civilization very developed culture but it was neglecting all others so she brings it down and then after that we see a new um, new you know helena hellenic culture all that came into existence greece became united that's a different story she is there during the french revolution she is there as the victorious spirit of murat the general and she is there as mary antonin who goes through the guillotine and she is there as joan of arc and she is there as queen catherine her immediate uh, incarnation before this one as queen catherine in russia who's who along with peter the great were the two people who completely changed the way russia thought and understood about the world and whatever thing she brought into existence the way of life the rules regulations till date they are regarded as a standard benchmark so uh, and these are but very few there are many ah yes so many and many at every evolutionary point there is a very interesting uh, she now when we say incarnation we should be very careful it doesn't mean that she incarnated it means that there is a soul which was going through these different kinds of experiences and it was chosen by the divine mother to go through certain experiences so that she can incarnate the same we see with sri arbindo for example one of those um, you know jhansi um, kirani where she watches the movie and she says it's not quite like that and chandradeep ji was sitting there he asks why she says no i was there she has been there my own ex- little experience even as meera bai that's when i went to rajasthan i had this experience so many countless one just like shri krishna says the countless are my manifestations countless my many are my births but you don't remember but she remembers and that's why when the mother was asked and why all this story is important because it has a connection with our own life our own story of life is intertwined with the mother when she was asked mother have we met in previous life she says yes my children all of us have met in previous lives you don't remember it but i do just like shri krishna says arjun we have been together you don't remember it but i do there is also a very interesting thing when we talk about the previous lives when shurbindo was asked why is it that we have come here to you what special thing have we done and it is the common thing if you ask any i mean <laughs> any sadhak worth the name <laughs> i don't know in the ashram context or those who are turned toward the mother and shurbindo as what kind of practice you are doing so when the, the the person is a new entrant he will give you some practices all med- meditation this that and as he grows more and more he will have nothing to say except that grace of the divine mother i can recount one of the stories of nalnida because when you go through the real challenge yoga is in real time it's not a book study so when real time yoga when your nature unfolds not even your nature but universal nature and you are surprised that these are in me i thought these are only in the world and you don't know what to do because it's not a straight line it's the entire nature is being carried for the yoga that's what i started with that how the mother right from beginning and we'll connect to that in a moment so then you re- realize more and more that this yoga at least this yoga for sure is impossible without the grace of the divine mother and that's what shubindo closes the mother with that it is the divine mother and not any human tapasya or endeavor that can rend the veil and tear the lid it's just impossible
and only she can create into this life of death and suffering the life divine immortality and the the immortal's ananda and many other gifts that she has brought to us as gifts of her grace so the story is about nalnida whom we know that he was uh, who else but nalnida can be called as in fact shyobindo said if nalani is not doing my yoga then who is doing my yoga to that extent and in his 80s when nalnida is there uh, in the theater and he is asked to say a few ashirvachan as they say some words of wisdom so nalnida goes stands on the the theater stage and after a brief pause he simply says love the mother and walks down this is the wisdom highest wisdom kapali shastri he is the one who has realized tantra yoga mantra yoga vedant yoga has been under the tutorship of none less but on one side raman maharishi then um, vasishth ganpati muni and then comes to shirobindo and he is asked he is the one who had the spontaneous awakening of the kundalini on seeing shirobindo and he is asked that you have done so many sadhanas what what do you feel you got as a result of so many sadhanas and he says why i have come to the feet of the divine mother i know so many people so many stories stories like that one is of a person whose name was nirvan swami or something and he changed his name to anirvan when he came to know about shirobindo he <laughs> his translation of the life divine is in bangla and from which it was translated into hindi which shirobindo regarded as a very authentic translation and once he had decided he was a guru in his own right he decided that i am going to withdraw and when mother comes to know about it she sends a letter a message to him he asks a message from the mother he says why you don't want to do my work and he says okay that the end of his departure that mother that glory came as a little child and it's a mystery of mystery marvel of marvel look at her eyes look at a picture as a 5 year old what does she say she says that i was conscious even as a child and from 2 years onwards she would sit suddenly in that little chair and she would feel a vast light pressing upon her in fact he kapali shastri once saw her the mother would walk on the balcony and she he once notes that he sees her as a flame of white light moving around so she she would experience this light pressing upon her and at the age of 5 once her mother physical mother asked her what is it you are sitting as if the burden of the whole world is on your head and she says yes indeed yes i feel the burden of the whole world upon my head and when mother was asked that tell me about your own yoga how does it begin so she says with shakti it started with shakti then came the vital then the intellectual development and then the rest it started with shakti an explosion in the womb of night out of the womb of night she is born on 21st february she who is infinite eternal and unborn born to a mother who is a positivist and a materialist so is a father physical father very strong man so strong that he could make a horse come down on four legs by the elbow by pressing his elbow that was the physical strength of her father and look at the mother once his father scolds the mother's brother or probably gave a spank to him and the mother tells him with all the force at her command if you ever do it again i'll walk away from here and he stunned a little child and that strong man feels that his whole world has collapsed and both were positivist and materialist they believed that only what you see hear touch smell taste is true and the mother says it was a very good training because she must 
see the divine, hear the divine, taste the divine, touch the divine, smell the divine. And that's how we see our yoga of the body unfolded. And another thing for which she she really uh, says uh, thanks to her physical mother. When the mother was in, in the womb, and these are see lessons of inspiration for all of us, she wanted her child to be the noblest, the best, the highest. Something very similar we see in Shurbindo's father. He also wanted his child to be the best and the highest. And thankfully not best and highest according to exams and the marks. So the best, the highest. The, and the mother says this was her idea, whatever she understood by that. And uh, she had a physical brother two years before the mother's physical birth. And then the mother was born 10.30 morning on the by the side of a wall the church was on the other side the gongs were going on and the mother physical mother is born on 21st february and what does she bring with us she brings with her first of all hope that's a period which we uh, we know what that period is and not only she brings hope and aspiration a very new aspiration when we read through what this little girl was dreaming about, a very new way of life. Much later, the mother writes, and you see her messages to school. Last school. Then she says, future school, school of the future, not future school, school of the future. No school. <laughs> so, what about her own schooling? She would not care to go to school. See, we are so much behind her. So she would not go to school, but that didn't mean that she was not studying. She would be interested in a whole lot of things. She would go to a garden and there she would talk to gnomes and fairies. She would go to garden and slip into states of trance. That life was so much more real to her, rich life. She would see images and all this, even as a child, she would be fascinated by the world of colors and she would see beyond them. At 15, when she goes to a church and suddenly she experiences as the music is going on, I forget which symphony, I think it was Mozart, but I could be mistaken. Suddenly through the uh, little glass, uh, painted glass, suddenly a ray of light touches her. I think she's not 15, she's much younger touches her heart and she feels so vast and powerful as if she has grown very vast and powerful. She would hear a sound and through that little sound reach to its source. When somebody would use, say, chant the word Om that was in Paris, she suddenly saw the room filled with light and that kept reverberating within her for quite a long time. And therefore she knows and she says that, well, this sound has been packed by so much of spiritual power because it has been used in the Indian context in such a way. It's packed with power. So that's why later on she would write, Om is the signature of the Lord. All these experiences and another very interesting thing that her mother had told her, which she would always remind children and we are all children, something which I personally as my one of the take home points of the our mother's physical mother. So whenever, if at all, she would sit with a little pulled face, she would say, forget yourself. You're not here for that. So this idea that we must forget ourselves and therefore a long journey, she said she used to be, a, she, she loved discipline, uh, and would govern with an iron hand her physical mother the mother also loved discipline but with a loving heart that's the difference <laughs> she had her own way and she would show with personal example so this was the world in which she came France because as I said that France was the hub where the renaissance was being worked out all these some of these places but particularly France if you see French revolution and onwards many of these Renaissance are things they were being worked out in France. So France, in the immediate age that preceded, that was the hub where the lamp of uh, reason was lit 
and that was the only lamp in that darkness where uh, through which little bit of light could come into that immense dark age of mankind and then she takes that light she says that why she was born in france because father is a turkish descent and mother is from the side of the egyptians and otherwise religion wise she is a jew and yet she shifts to france why does she shift to france one year before her birth the parents shift to france and it's not the parents who shifted somewhere she has impelled she says so why because i needed a kind of education and i needed a kind of uh, you know a kind of the higher mind which was so active in france she receives that and then she spontaneously begins to blossom she doesn't want to go to school and then her brother one day is reading a book so he asked her see she asked him matayo matiao and there very interesting stories of the mother with her brother one of the stories that when uh, her brother asked her to help him take something from which was kept on the attic so the mother helps him but then after that he says don't tell this to parents when they come home and the mother feel, feel feels very uneasy in her heart and then she knows this is falsehood a child of 7 knows what is falsehood and yet all the four asuras are chasing her from her birth she speaks of that they've always surrounded her life she doesn't name them later on she names couple of them just like in shri krishna's life we see the asura chases him like anything <laughs> maybe for redemption because he knows and what kind of things he was engaged in it's so amazing at 7 years of age she is going to learn tennis and she asks her brother that what are you reading and the brother says why don't you read for yourself you don't know how to read why should i give you she says oh is it so in two days she had learned the language otherwise till 7 she had not learned the language she didn't feel it's important and she would say later on that a new language is going to be created by the beings of tomorrow because she had gone beyond languages she would understand things intuitively she could read the minds of people around she could step out of her body and once she walks into the train back and forth and then back comes to the seat while traveling these were her activities when she is sick she is confined to her room and she is saying she is uh, trying that well i am inside this room but i want to see what is going on the other side of the wall and she stretches and stretches her consciousness tremendous concentration one of the things that one can see with the mother all the time tremendous concentration and with that power of concentration she could stretch herself and go into the other rooms and everywhere even during occultism once he tells her son because she was engaged in all these activities so she tells her son do you know something you need not come to the class you can uh, do it wherever you are so he is surprised how can i she is learning occultism in some place then she comes out of the body comes all the way to tell him see it's so easy you can come out of the body travel all the way <laughs> from algeria to france and in that course he even pushes the table as an evidence that look here now this is an occult dimension which she learns that's still later but even as 5 6 7 the kind of things that she is experiencing she goes to a garden and suddenly she discovers a particular layer of consciousness between the most physical material physical and the subtle physical later on will be so helpful when she goes into the yoga of transformation what kind of vastness she was gathering from all around and what was she known as she was known one of her names was the sphinx sphinx there are several ways one can understand sphinx but my simple way of understanding sphinx is sphinx is the enigma the mystery of course people related with death as well as the new creation see at once the symbol of the past and the future so we have the golden sphinx guarding the gates of eternity and she was known as sphinx why because when people didn't know how to resolve solve their problems they would come to her and she had a solution 
and sometimes these solutions were very different, very outlandish solutions. Once uh, a monitress is refusing to give something and she holds the monitress hands and says, are you giving it or not? Because she was punishing a child for no reason. Phoenix, ah, Phoenix the, the Sphinx. Yeah, that I know, the Sphinx. So she is, uh, she is the one, she holds her hand and says uh, that, are you going to punish her because it was something unjust? And suddenly the monitor says, no, 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 no. She suddenly backs off. At seven, there is another story of the Mahakali Bhav. A 13-year-old boy who is a bully. And all the girls are afraid of this boy. And one day she encounters him on the road and says, our mother, such a sweet child. Huh? Look at a five-year-old picture. And she tells this boy, so, you think you are a bully? You want to trouble everyone? A boy, whatever he must have done, before he could respond, she picks him up and throws him down. And of course he survives. <laughs> so, so, they realize this. He says that during that moment, a superhuman strength. So, why, why, what is the importance of these stories? When Shirobinda was asked that uh, some say that the mother was divine from her birth, and others say that she grew into divinity through yoga. And Shobindo says, no, the mother was divine right from her birth. And he says that very clearly. That So what happened over a period of time as she moves through life and its landscape? There is a progressive manifestation of the divinity that takes place. She is divine, inwardly above the human. She is Already, and when we read her description in Savitri, another beautiful book which describes, uh, you know, the new consciousness, the mind of light, the rhythms that she has brought with her. Uh, this is a new creation she brought with her, a new way of life. She has to, how she would love to take challenges, something which we can learn from her. So she has to cross a room which is 15 feet long. And she decides, I'll cross it with only once I'll take a step. And she jumps, just lands partially on one foot she keeps and takes a spring jump from there and crosses the room. Now this is, and without running from behind. So it was a new body as later on you would see that the mother's body was not formed in the ordinary way. Mahasaraswati, all she had gathered all the uh, important elements from the universal uh, mother, all the elements in creation which are needed for her body because this body had to be prepared for becoming a bridge for crossing over. It was not just the gate, it is the gate that Buddha speaks about it, Krishna speaks about it, Christ speaks about it. So as an avatar, she is the gate. But more importantly, her body also is the gateway towards a new body and this body was prepared in a very special way and that's why Shobindo says um, in 1949 if, or 48 if one of us must leave it must be myself because your body is prepared in such a way that you alone can fulfill the yoga of transformation so all these and many many beautiful things for her life was amazing and uh, if, if I look at the way she was communicating with animals, communicating with plants, this is what conscious life is about. She communicates to animals. When there is a cobra sitting in front, she is not afraid of the cobra. She is trying to see why this cobra is angry at me. <laughs> and then she realizes that she is sitting. I am just going here and there in terms of time because important is, important is the message that her life brings. So she is sitting on the cobra's uh, you know, whole uh, without being aware and then she slowly shifts while gazing in the cobra's eye and he realizes that she doesn't mean harm and slithers away in, in a pond nearby and that's in, of course, Tlemcan, Algeria where she had gone to learn occultism. At what age? She is, of course, the divine has to, though she is divine, she has to still uh, go through the human steps. That's important because she has taken a human body and she is not here to do arbitrary miracles, but to show us the way. So when did she realize the divine? We can just make any wild guess, often people ask. 
now 18 in her this thing she is 18 when she has realized the divine that is 1898 uh, in 96 to 98 that's what she says so that means between the age of 18 to 20 she has realized the divine in a divine and then why this is again a lesson for all of us much later in one of her classes uh, in this ashram playground she would uh, you know they see a shooting star and say mother can one fulfill the wish if one sees the shooting star she says well during that brief moment what are you going to ask you will ask what is most important to you and then she says her own example that's why I said God's own example she says that well when she saw it she said I will realize the divine by the end of this year and she says within nine months she had realized and she gives us an example if that moment's aspiration can persist and then she says your life is so easy you all are living surrounded by it so you forget to aspire at 18, 19, 20 she has realized the divine presence within but she doesn't stop with that just imagine she is simultaneously learning painting she is engaged in intellectual activities and what paintings I mean things which are displayed in lube and when she is asked Later on a disciple says, Mother, some of your paintings are there in Lube and some of them, we want to get them here. She smiles and says, My child will live in eternity. My child will live in eternity. This is the kind of, uh, and many, many, you know, um, many, many wonderful stories of the Divine Mother as she goes through. These stories, as I said, are very inspiring. That kind of concentration, that kind of sincerity, what comes across is sincerity. One of her favorite activities would be at night that she would sit and project herself on a wall like a cinema. So whole day's activity. And she says it used to be very interesting to me. So she used to watch a movie. But what movie? Her own nature she would objectivize. What happened during the day? And she will see where all... uh, Things were fine and where all she did not act according to the highest. So again by 21-22 she had created not, she had not only realized the divine but organized her life around that divine presence. Something which is so rare. And then later on when the disciple would ask how to grow sincere and then she says my child you can do it like this. Project yourself on a wall at night and see the whole day's activities. And then see where all you slipped, where all you missed. And then you try to organize it, put it around, means become conscious, become aware. That's why she would give such an importance to sincerity. We have heard so many people, the moment they talk about uh, spiritual life, they use the word meditation. Everywhere, even yesterday, somebody asked me suddenly, Sir, how much you meditate? I said, you know what, meditation is not the key. Key is sincerity. One may meditate like Ravan for so long, but he may... Of course, meditation had its place. She would go into these spontaneous trances. She would even ride during those states. Even her sleep was trance when she would suddenly get up, write a poetry and put it in the drawer. And one of the... This is a very funny story. And this poetry writing stopped because one of the mornings, the, her physical mother discovered and thought that my child is going uh, crazy. And so mother stopped that before they take her to a doctor. But one of the stories is very funny. She is sitting on the dining table and uh, right from beginning she would go into spontaneous, uh, those states. Uh, Use the word trance, but she would say that that kind of trance where you withdraw completely from outer life. She told Shurabindu when he came, when she came and met him, I have never experienced that kind of trance when people completely withdraw from uh, outer world. Uh, He says, nor have I. Now, why? What does it mean? That kind of trance where you withdraw from the outer world is a trance about which the Isha Upanishad says, Andham Tamapravishanti. Those who are living in this multiplicity, but a greater darkness they go in, who live in that light alone. So, right from beginning, she was living as the, living the truth of the Chatushpad Brahman. Brahman is not only in the inmost but also this outer field and uh, she would say when when Champakalaji recounts one story when 
mother would go into this uh, this this kind of trance this not the typical those uh, so but we have to use this word and nobody knew how long because she had so many calls so many pulls so many people calling her and she would constantly be responding and uh, shubindu said she is responding constantly but if she has, she can remember she can bring out who called and what but if she has to literally remember in her outer consciousness it would be like an encyclopedia so she would be going in all the even like when in the physical body so when she came out she suddenly tells champakladi because these people were little you know distracted <laughs> she says my child even in this highest state even in my supramental state i can uh, i know everything of what is going on outside including the ticking of the clock and your thoughts simultaneously so that is the kind of trance she would go in so as a 15 she recounts one ex- she is sitting on the dining table and she is told by uh, all the people in the house that see a big man is coming some mayor or somebody and so you people should be you know both the brother and sister should be well behaved and she she is uh, <laughs> the last thing about mother is well behaved for the sake of others she would say that i am not here to we are not here to please someone or speak uh, in in the name of some doctrine or some person knowingly or unknowingly i have always been this body has always been the servant of the lord always it has done spoken what the lord has wanted it to do and speak so see here she is sitting on the table and suddenly with the fork in her hand she goes room a fork imagine a girl holding the fork on the dining table and everybody is there what has gone wrong with her after some time and she says they were all so shocked and i was laughing inside uncontrollably because of what she experienced how she was experiencing life so this is this was a kind of life or rich in a life what can she never said what she used to experience during those trances but shivinda knew and he says yes neither have i experienced that kind of trance where one become oblivious of the outer world can for such a person we say she left the body on 17th november 1973 i can only share a very personal reminiscence So I have not seen the mother with these physical bodies, eyes. But I know that she has seen me and all of us who are here and all of us who are listening to this. And it was so natural to connect with her directly inside that the thought that she was born and she left, though I had read about her life, but this never came. Somehow it didn't come. She is a real living presence. I am sure many of us will connect that way who have been fortunate enough. To who practice the yoga outside and then when i came i heard someone say when the mother was here and when the mother was here and i said what do you mean by this the mother was here no no i mean uh, she left the body i said but we have never experienced like that then he recounted a story a story is of our uh, ravindra ji and ravindra ji once some of these people who came later on said you were so lucky that you saw the mother with your physical eyes she says maybe but actually you know you people are more lucky and the youngster asked why do you say so he says because we saw her with the physical eyes we kept seeing her physical movements they they didn't remember what sri ravindra said even for the freest and quickest and swiftest intelligence it's impossible to fathom the mystery whereas you people because you have not seen her with the physical eyes you can much more quickly much more swiftly feel her inner presence inside you and yet there is a reason and this is what the mother kept saying you think i am this she would pinch her skin and say you think i am this you think i am this body you think i am this and she keeps saying that you know physical nearness means nothing if you don't enter into the state of inner nearness and yet there is a reason why she takes a physical body and the reason is transmutation of matter it's a new kind of 
journey, a new odyssey on which he launches us, body, physical body itself. And therefore, this body is irreplaceable. So very often people say, which mother should be, there is a divine mother, universal mother, yes. World mother is well known in Indian thought, nothing new. But as far as the yoga of physical transformation is concerned, it is this embodiment which is the door and holds the key. Universal mother is always there. There have been so many saints and sages. Read the uh, bhajans of Ram Prashad. Read, of course, the life of Sri Ramakrishna. How real. But the physical embodiment serves a purpose. And that purpose is that through this body, the bridge is being built between human body and the divine body of the future. Therefore, if we want to, of course, for getting a protection anywhere, even without the embodiment, Divine Mother, whoever has ever called the Divine Mother, she has responded. We have, in Indian thought, we have so many stories. But for physical transformation, it is this Divine Mother who takes up a human body because what she has worked in a body can easily enter into us and all of us. It has already gone into the earth. Her cells still vibrating with the supramental presence. Of course, she have cells also. But all that was transformed, that's a whole journey we'll talk about maybe tomorrow or day after. So the fact that she took the human body, otherwise she could do everything from there. Somebody asked this question to Shirobindo. Why does the divine has to take a human body? He can do everything from up above. He says, yes, for everything else he can be up, do it from up above or through the vibhutis or through countless saints and sages. But the human body is taken only because a work has to be done on the body directly. The physical matter must come in direct contact with the divine mother or with the divine glory and this glory also because there has been a whole series of avatars. This glory comes bringing something new. So every avatar comes from the Supreme. So what's new about the subsequent each avatar? The newness is that some, they come hiding themselves in thick clothings and only bringing that much light which is necessary at that stage of evolution. For example, Rama brings the perfection of the human mold within the human limits. What man can become? The perfect manhood, illumining the human mold. Krishna breaks the human mold. So Krishna shows the superhuman journey. And Shurabindu and the mother, they go one step further. They bring that power. All are divine. But she brings that power which can transmute this earth, physical matter and this human body into a divine body. I could just go on. I had kept prayers and meditation by my side, thinking I will probably read through the prayers, but she has another plans. But let me close reading something from her. Myself and my creed. Okay, first. Since the beginning of the earth, Wherever and whenever there was the possibility of manifesting a ray of consciousness, I was there. I belonged to no nation, no civilization, no society, no race, but to the divine. I obey no master, no ruler, no law, no social convention, but the divine. And how she became conscious of her mission? When and how did I become conscious of a mission which I was to fulfill on earth? And when and how I met Sri These two questions have been asked and she gives a short reply. For the knowledge of the mission, it is difficult to say when it came to me. It is as though I was born with it. And following the growth of the mind and brain, the precision and completeness of this consciousness grew also. This from Collected Works of the Mother, Volume 13. Between 11 and 13, and this experience she has recounted in Prayers and Meditations. Between 11 and 13, a series of psychic and spiritual experiences revealed to me 
not only the existence of God but man's possibility of uniting with him, of realizing him integrally, this is the important part, in consciousness and action, of manifesting him upon earth in a life divine. This along with a practical discipline for its fulfillment was given to me during my body sleep by several teachers, some of whom I met afterwards on the physical plane. 11 to 13. Later on, as the interior and exterior development proceeded, the spiritual and psychic relation with one of these beings became more and more clear and frequent. And although I knew little of the Indian philosophies and religions at that time, I was led to call him Krishna. And henceforth I was aware that it was with him, whom I knew I should meet on earth one day, that the divine work was to be done. In the year 1910, my husband came alone to Pondicherry where, under very interesting and peculiar circumstances, he made the acquaintance of Shirobindo. Since then, we both strongly wished to return to India, the country which I had always cherished as my true mother country. So to her French birth, we can add the country of her soul, which is India. That's why she was one of the first proponents to ask for double nationality. She says, I am French by birth and early education, but I am an Indian by temperament and predilection. That's how she is. And in 1914, this joy was granted to us. As soon as I saw Sri I recognized in him the well-known being whom I used to call Krishna. And this is enough to explain why I am fully convinced that my place and my work are near him in India. And she says very clearly, when she sees Sri she used to see in the vision and she would feel that it's an apparition, some being. Right from 11, she had been in contact with Sri Aurobindo. is that time 17 years of age. But see, there is another plane on which the mystery is unfolding. And when she's, because she never knew how a dhoti is worn. That time Sri was not wearing dhoti. So this, our idea of space-time, the stories are worked out at another dimension altogether. And when she saw Shurabindo, she instinctively touched his feet. And then she knew what it means to do pranam. Because she experienced that entire power flowing into the mother. And then she knew what, what is the significance of pranam. And when she was asked by the All India Radio to give her reminiscences, with which we can stop. Reminiscences in India. She has come to India, what she will speak. She says, the reminiscences will be short. I came to India to meet Sri I remained in India to live with Sri When he left his body, I continued to live here in order to do his work. What is his work? which is by serving the truth and enlightening humanity to hasten the role of the divine's love upon earth. She wrote in a diary, He whom we saw yesterday is here upon earth. His presence is enough to, uh, to give the hope that a day will come when, despite, even if thousands of men are plunged in darkness, that this earth will be transformed. What did Sri saw? He saw that Mira is born free. And second thing he saw, Sri saw in the mother, that here is someone who could make the complete surrender right from the highest heights to the smallest cells of the body and seek that surrender. Sri says, I knew that the time has come for the life divine to be established upon earth. We'll pause here today. <laughs> I don't know. We can post questions on the group probably. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lokyas. Wonderful session. Very enlightening.
I'll post it on the group anyways. Yes, yes, please, please do. Namaste, Aloka. Namaste. My question is uh, around some of the some of the conversations uh, with the mother, hmm. and um, she has among other things uh, said that when we solve a problem within ourselves, hmm. when we resolve an inner contradiction, hmm. we also solve it in a way for the world. Yes. Yes. So that, of course, I'll be doing it on the third day at at length, because it's about the yoga. But basically, the world is a single continuity. So there is this interconnectedness. Not only interconnectedness. There is a the the whole nature is a single unit, universal nature. One of the experiences that Sri Aurobindo says comes early on the Gita. That when we separate from nature, we understand this not my nature, your nature, but this whole nature is one movement. But the ego self selects a particular uh, movements and says, "This is me." So when we begin to step back, we look at that. We, the whole area begins to enlarge, and this is important because that's how the ashram itself was founded. Because he says that initially, whether we both should go ahead with the realization. Transformation, or we carry everybody, and she says the choice was evident, spontaneous. We decided to carry everybody. Why? Because for the simple reason that after a certain point, you anyways carry everyone within you because the consciousness begins to enlarge. So it implies two things: that all those with whom we are in contact with, all those who are on the path, who are I am putting it like that. Even otherwise, even when we are not on the path, we are like surrounded in a mass of vibrations we don't realize it uh, but for those who have taken the path as we grow in consciousness we automatically tend to ex- ex- uh, exert a pull on all others who are uh, yet uh, striving and struggling so this is one part of the uh, collective yoga not representation but the collective yoga second is because of this continuity because of this connectedness of the universe each element in us a particular kind of element is connected with the whole similar element in the whole universe for example if i have an issue of anger so anger is not only in me in me it may be an issue but it's in the whole universe so every time i work upon the element of anger within me if i am engaged in yoga even otherwise it helps somebody else because well a possibility opens its door on earth that well anger can be conquered but here there is something else here it's transformation of that element so once a particular element is transformed as mother says win your little victories within the yogin on the path of integral yoga i'm using the word yogin in a very uh, wider sense then by the contagion by the contamination he because he is a representative of humanity this becomes easier for many 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 others who are uh, you know part of our human self so it's again like the uh, you know uh, 100th uh, this principle or magnetic resonance morphogenetic resonance so each one of us who conquers a difficulty within us this difficulty becomes easier to be conquered in the world and uh, in that sense we are all representative humanity so we need not take many people on the path but few who are ready as representatives that's that's the original plan that's how the mother and shurbindo they have not made this into a mass movement but each individual who enters into the yoga carries a difficulty and a possibility by resolving this difficulty within him conquering it transmuting it at different levels at which it can operate he makes it easier for others and by opening and realizing the door of possibility within him he makes it easier for it to be realized in others so that is this part we'll talk about the yoga more on the third day the mother had in in the uh, closing i may say she had realized incidentally the buddhist yoga the yoga of the gita the raj yoga the kundalini yoga she had translated many people may not know naradas bhakti sutras 
the Sandarya, not Sandarya, what is that uh, Buddhist text? I have forgotten the name, but there is a Buddhist text, which is, no, not Dhammapada. There is another Buddhist text, uh, Sundar something. Anyways, so she had translated that. Uh, their English translation were available. She had translated into French. Ishavasya Upanishad, Narad's Bhakti Sutra, she had translated that into French at some point of time. Many of her, these writings, including her philosophical writings, they have been lost because they were doing it for that cosmic philosophy, that magazine. And um, just for information, just to contemplate upon it, what kind of surrender. She came and lived here, 1920 onwards, she never went back. In 1947, her physical mother left her body. The mother remained here. She did not see, look. It's just to understand the magnitude. Even yogins, when the physical mother departs, they tend to, you know, go there. But she was so much, and she could do it while there. So many stories. While being at one place, she could govern the whole creation and the whole world. So this is just to give a little glimpse into the kind of yoga that they had developed, they were practicing and continue to develop because this yoga is not an end point. It is continuing in humanity. It's just about how many hundred years old. It will be hundred years old in 2026, this yoga. Because from 1926 it was given to mankind. Before that, Shirobin and the mother have done it within themselves. So, integral yoga is not even hundred years old. So, we can imagine how it's Power is going to grow exponentially. Okay, so we'll pause here. We'll meet tomorrow and most welcome to write questions on the group. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Rob. And uh, see you all tomorrow, everyone. And uh, till tomorrow, bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste.